Palm Alexander for the Interzone Network. I want to tell you about newest black-owned sponsor, Sugar Pop Creation, located in the city of St. Louis. They're offering things like sweets, custom games, and parties. Sweets like chocolate-covered strawberries, pineapples, infused cakes, custom games like dominoes, checkers, chess, parties like Girls' Night Out, and Ten Party at Sugar Pop Creations. You can find her at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under Sugar Pop Creations, LLC. Sugar Pop Creations, I make everything pop. Here comes the brand new flavor in your head. Time for new flavor in your head. Welcome to the A-Train Show. Radio personality, Isis Jones. I appreciated being appreciated. Sometimes yeah. that little thing alone can, can go a long way where somebody says, yeah, we, we might need you. And, and better yet, it was time. You know, I, I think the climate in St. Louis is, is, is good. Um, we always talk about the negativity, and I, and I always have a, a tendency to bring a, a lot more positivity to the situation. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I think y'all needed me. On the In The Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide, you are listening to the In The Zone Network. Hey, this is Erica Fernandez, your girl, Curls and Sports, and this is the Price Check Podcast. Welcome to the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. The show is brought to you by the In The Zone Network, city to city, state to state, worldwide. Uh, special, uh, what is it, NBA restart preview today. Uh, we got, you know, scrimmages going on this week. Um, of course, getting back to the swing of basketball, which is a great sign, but a very special episode of the podcast because I get to have not only one of my closest friends join me today, but one of the best basketball minds that I know. Um, we actually got to know each other through AAU basketball. He might not want to tell that story today, but uh, my boy, Jewel Meeks. Jewel, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, no, I appreciate you being on, man. So. Um, just to kind of give everybody a little bit of, of a rundown of how we're going to do things today, like I said, restart preview. So we'll do a quick rundown of every one of the 22 teams that have, you know, been brought in to participate in the Orlando bubble, some that we won't spend quite as much time on, some that we will. Um, and then we're going to also kind of pick um, season awards, MVP, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, coach of the year, uh, some of which we agree on, some we don't. So we'll we'll have that conversation, but – Starting things off and kind of going through where we have teams or, you know, kind of catching up on teams and where they left off before the hiatus when, you know, Rudy Gobert decided that coronavirus was, you know, going to shut things down, starting with him. Um, kind of <laughs> looking, at, looking at everything from a, from a bird's eye view, one, let me ask you this, Jewel. Do you think we should have 22 teams in the bubble? So, uh, I think really – the reason why we have 22 is what I call the Zion effect. Uh, and with, you know what I'm saying, New Orleans being 28 and 36, and they tied pretty much with, what, two other teams, yeah, um, as well as San Antonio uh, Phoenix being right under them, yeah. uh, you had to kind of throw those in there in order to make sure that Zion had a chance. Uh, first for us to, to, to finish off his rookie season, but uh, – you know, so they have a real shot at getting that, that eight seed. So, in the run that they were on after they had all five starters back, they looked good. So, I understand why, but 
It should only be, you know what I'm saying, Portland in that nine spot and then, you know what I'm saying, the nine spot that they had in the East, which really doesn't matter anyway. Right. Uh, so I really think it should be 18, but 22, I can understand a lot. Yeah, so I, I was always against the 22. Personally, I thought you just go with the playoffs as it was, but to your point, they do. I mean, Zion is a cash cow for the league. So even though he's only played 19 games this year, uh, he's already on the cover of 2K. They already have him in a rookie of the year discussion, which we'll touch on a little bit later too. So um, switching gears. And, and I mean, with the, with them first 20 games, you know what I'm saying? He, he scored 20 in every game. So you kind of yeah. want to see. Yeah. You don't want to see those superstars get left out. So it all makes sense. And, man. And and he's I a guess, superstar already. I guess to the – to the league's defense and also to New Orleans' defense, I think if Zion was healthy all year, they would have like been a solid playoff team, personally. Easily, but easily. We'll, we'll 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 see we'll see how uh see how this plays out now that the the bubble is in full effect. Um, so starting with Portland and New Orleans and some of the teams that I have listed in what's considered the bottom tier, as we go through these four tiers of, of teams out of the twenty two. Um, and I know there's a few of these teams or maybe one or two that you don't necessarily feel like you would consider in the bottom tier, maybe some teams that um, are in higher tiers that you want to drop down to this bottom one. But um, out of, you know, Memphis, Portland, New Orleans, Phoenix and San Antonio in the West, um, is there any one of those five that you feel most strongly about to get the AFC? So it's kind of tricky that you ask that. If if you're saying strongly, I think that Memphis having three and a half games or two and a half games up already, that's probably the only reason why I would feel strongly about them. But with Portland getting their two twin towers back and they are already second in the league in block shots, just with how Hassan Whiteside and you add Nurk back, you add Zach Collins, then that front line looks a whole lot similar to the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And and you see what kind of problems that caused teams in the pain because nobody really guards inside out anymore. So uh talent wise, I would probably say Portland is the team that I'm looking strongly at, but with with Memphis already having those game advantages and you only need to win two. I'm sorry, you you only need to win one in the playoffs situation playoff game situation uh in order to you know solidify that eight seed it looks real good for them right now yeah and i guess we can remind everybody too that with the way the the bubble structure is working whoever finishes in that ninth spot as long as they are within is it within four games they get a two game yeah, four playoff, games. but they have the ninth seed team has to win two games before right. the eight seed wins one so to your Before point, I, I, think, right. I think Memphis has the advantage. Um, honestly, man, I think Portland can catch them. Portland's road to catching them is a little tough, but I can't bet against Damian Lillard. Um, and I don't know if I should bet against Skinny Mello, bro. <laughs> Mello went out oh, and, and shaded the, the Zuzus and Wham Whams and, and is out here looking like a new man. No, for real. He was definitely moving his feet on defense. Uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before that they played? So, it's it, it's 
like I said, they line they they have a big enough lineup that they can scare teams because they two guards you know right. can give you sixty together on any night, and they might be able to do it by himself if, if Dame get going the way he needs to. So, uh, and he was on a crazy streak before you know what I'm saying the season got shut down. I think he scored like fifty and. Four out of their last six games or yeah. something like that. Dame, so Dame was on the turf, man. Like, yeah, I, I know. Like, I put a lot of respect on Dame's name just off of the strength of what he did to OKC and to close them out with the wave and the stay on face and all that. Like, that was savage. Like, that's, uh. that was savage. But like, he he really looked like a man on a mission. And he was just really trying to will them to the playoffs himself, even you know before everything got stopped. So. I think and, I, and to uh, and even to speak on that, like you know, what I'm saying with this only being eight games before a playoff situation happens, you got to rely on chemistry that's already there. Right. And Portland probably has some of the best camaraderie out of any teams because of the leadership. You know, what I'm saying with, with Lillard and McCullum, so they are. That's a team to watch for sure. Yeah. Especially sure. if they get in. Uh, I, I think that they could definitely take the Lakers six to seven games versus Memphis is going to be a sweep. Yeah, it's heads and beds for Memphis. It's over with for yeah. them if they if they get in. New Orleans may sneak one, maybe, but I think I think Portland would not only have the size, but with the Lakers missing Rondo, Avery Bradley, it becomes that much harder harder to guard a Damian and CJ McCollum. So. I think we're on the same page with, with Portland there. Uh, for those of y'all just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast on the In The Zone Network. I got my boy Jewel Meeks on the line today. Um, so, switching gears over to the East, Brooklyn, Orlando, Washington, they're all just sacrificial lambs at this point, right? Yes, absolutely, right. It's going to be uh, – so with that, we get eight games, and then they'll have four games in the playoffs, whoever gets that spot, because – Milwaukee's gonna beat them probably by twenty to thirty every single game in the playoffs. Right. It's not gonna. It's yes. Yeah, it's, it's a shoe in for those for, for that first round for Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if you Milwaukee, you might just you might just commit to play, playing Giannis maybe what twenty four twenty five minutes a game, just save <laughs> save the legs for the next round because you're not gonna necessarily need him to go off something crazy to beat whoever they end up with. Because um, I fully expect Orlando to end I, up at seven. Right, because of uh, Brooklyn's injury situations, which I can agree with. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I don't even think you have to commit Giannis to 24 minutes and put a limit on it because I, I I, the game would be over by then. Regardless. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's going to be real, real, real bad for whoever ends up in that A spot. Um, I was yeah. a part of me was hoping that Brooklyn decided to let Kevin Durant play. I knew that was a long shot in the beginning, but just a little piece of me was hoping that that would be like a little wrench in the plan of everybody else in the East. But KD not going. He's not going to step out and take that risk just yet. So. Um, so, and, so and, and you know why the re, the whole reason why is because there was a, still a possibility that he's looking at Giannis in the first round. Right. So you're gonna have KD come back and play eight games, and then you look you look at right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, we want to see it, but it don't make sense. Yeah, don't don't do that to him or your team, especially now that they they don't have DeAndre Jordan, they don't have Torian Prince, no Spencer Dinwiddie, so they are slim pickings. I looked at their scrimmage right. the other day, and Chris Chioza was their starting point guard, and I knew it was over with. So. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good look at all, bro. No. But but I am excited to see what Karis LeVert's gonna do in that main role because okay. he can he can do two things for them next year. He can either be that that third man that they can count on consistently, which means that they can trade Spencer Dinwiddie and get some pieces back that they need to you know what I'm saying bolster their depth, right. or they can they can turn that around. And Karis probably will bring back a better package than Spencer. So this is true. I, I know that they probably don't want to trade Karis, but it's you know when you have KD, you got Kyrie, and then they probably gonna have somebody between Mark Jackson, J. Kidd, and uh, who am I? Kyle. So you're looking at that coach, they're not looking for young pieces. Uh, so they might be able to flip some things around with that squad real quick. But it's going to involve making that tough decision between Karras and Spencer, if you ask me. Gotcha. Yeah. So the the name that I would love for them to get that I don't know if he's going to be available is Brad Bill. Um, obviously, Brad not playing in the restart right now for Washington. Um, they are missing him and Davis Bertans. Um, I don't know if Karis by himself is enough. You got, I mean, they have other pieces that they could put with him, but I guess you got to ask yourself how much is too much when it comes to putting Brad next to Kyrie and KD. To be honest, I don't want to see it. Because Brad, I think, is good enough to at minimum be the second best player on a championship team. So to put him in that third spot, I feel like it's putting more restrictions on him than it would a Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie, whoever that was that they would keep. Whatever. With that being said, uh, Brad going to the Nets with Kyrie and KD is – what is that? That's 75 points a game automatically. Yeah, just walking Mm. buckets all around the court. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that that could get nasty. So, um, better luck next year, Brooklyn, Orlando, Washington, <laughs> all y'all. <laughs> we're not going. We're not going to spend too much time there. So, going up a tier, um, and this is where it might get a little fun for us. Um, I have this tier named teams with questions. I have six teams in this tier. I know for sure there's one of these teams that you think either needs to be completely – well, there's at least one team that you definitely think should be higher, and I'm pretty sure there's a team that you feel like should be in that bottom tier. Um, yep. We're, go- we're going to start with Dallas. Dallas is a team that is obviously they don't have Dwight Powell, um, Chris Stapps, Luka, very nice combo. Not sure what to expect out of them just yet, but um, mm-hmm. they did look really good together when they were playing before the hiatus. Thoughts on Dallas from you? So, so Dallas, to me, um, they're pretty interesting because 
you got Rick Carlisle as the coach. So you know that they're going to be prepared night in, night out. He can make adjustments on the fly. Uh, he'll throw in some of those quirky lineups and uh, to try to create different matchups. And you have a crafty guy in Luca who sees everything that the coach is thinking. So uh, I like him, especially if, you know, they, they can move up to either that six seed yeah. um, and play against Denver or even, you know what I'm saying, move up in that five area and play against either OKC, Utah, uh, you know what I'm saying, or Denver. So that first-round matchup for them is going to be key. If they're standing seven against the Clippers, yeah. it, it'll be over, I would say. It'll probably be in a sweep because I think Luke and Kristaps can get you one. But it won't be much more past that, uh, just because they don't have the size other than Boban, which I don't think that they're gonna really play him. Yeah, I don't know how many minutes you just, play Boban. Yeah, just from history. So uh, Dallas is interesting because realistically, if you're looking in the West, Luca's the best player on the court, except for against the Lakers, against the Clippers and probably Houston with James Harden. Other than that, he's the best player on the floor uh, against every other team, and it's really not even close. Right. I I think for me, the question is, do they have enough offense if, for instance, like you said, they run into the Clippers. You know, they got defenders that they can throw at Luka. They don't really have another go-to perimeter option that they can, you know, rely on. Um, they also don't really have – they also don't really have, like, the the right defenders to defend a team like the Clippers or, like, Houston because you got Dorian exactly. Smith who can guard, you know, the other team's best offensive player. But outside of that, you don't really have another lockdown guy that you can lean on. So that's where things get a little tricky for them. Um I love everything that I see out of Luka. Glad Porzingis is back healthy and really playing well. I think those two are going to be real dynamic together. Um, uh-huh. It's just it's it's probably a year too early for them, in my opinion. I agree. The the only thing that I will say is I'm really I'm not worried about the offense at all. So that, you know, what I'm saying they were number three in points per game. They were number four in rebounds, and they're number one out of every team in the NBA, three-pointers made. So scoring is not going to be a problem for them at all. But missing Dwight Powell, missing Carly Stein, and then not having that other guy that can lock down on the perimeter, I mean, unless they're scoring 130 points a game, there's no way that they'll be able to, to get enough stops in the playoffs to, to win. That is the voice of Jewel Meeks. You're listening to the Price Check Podcast. Now, continuing with teams with questions, um, I got Indiana here. Indiana doesn't really have quite as many questions now because we know uh, news came out today that they will be without Sabonis, who just uh, who is about to undergo foot surgery for plantar fasciitis. So I'm assuming yeah. he's going to miss the bubble in like in whole. He's not going to be able to come back. Um Indiana was a team I didn't have very high hopes for anyway, <laughs> um, especially before we knew that Oladipo was going to come back and play. But, you know, having Oladipo, who's coming off a pretty significant injury and, you know, rehabbing, not having Sabonis, 
not to mention where they are in the standings, they're probably going to end up with either Miami or Boston, and I don't like that match, either of those matchups for them. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I was actually a little bit higher on Indiana before the news came out today okay. uh, because with, with Oladipo back, I like Brogdon being healthy. Uh, he was going through a lot of nagging injuries before, you know what I'm saying, the shutdown happened. So, for him to be healthy, uh, Oladipo possibly healthy, and then having that tandem in a pick and roll with Sabonis, it would have been crazy um, because he can pass off the short roll, all of that. So he, he really opens up the middle of the floor in their offense. Without him, it's going to be tough against Miami. It's going to be tough against Boston. It's, it's over for him if they play against Philly, but we'll get to him. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure in a second, but um, yeah, man, Sabonis that that hurt more. I mean, that kicked them while they were down, pretty much, because right. they're just getting Oladipo back, and then for him to go down, it just really sucks. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on to another team with a pretty significant injury: Utah Jazz, um, currently in the fourth spot in the West. Not going to have Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, obviously, you have Donovan Mitchell. You have Rudy Gobert. Them trying to re- repair their relationship after the whole coronavirus thing. Um, and you also have Mike Conley, who I don't know what to think of that acquisition now compared to what I thought of it last summer when they actually got the trade to happen. So, coming yeah. into the season – I felt like that was kind of that one piece that could make them a scary team out West. Um, but since he's gotten there, the fit just hasn't seen right. And I don't know if that's on him starting to kind of hit that decline that older point guards hit, or if it's just, you know, a, a system and, and overall fit thing with the rest of the pieces there. Um, either way, this is a team that I expect to fall probably to six from that fourth spot. They're only a game ahead of both OKC and Houston while they sit in that fourth spot. Um, I guess my question about the Jazz is, can they make it out the first round? I don't think so at this point. So, it's funny that you say that because if they stay at – if the standings were to stay the exact same right now, I don't think that they make it out of the first round. However, if they were too far down to six, and that means that OKC moves up to four, Houston moves up to five, and they play against each other, they match up really well with Denver, if you ask me, because that keeps Rudy Gobert on the court, which is what they need in order to be successful any point uh, during the playoffs. He needs to be on the court for them. Uh, he's, of course, the defensive anchor. I know all of the jokes about him being the one that caused COVID for the NBA and shutting everything down. But uh, apparently that's not the only thing my boy's good at shutting down because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> other centers have so many problems with him. And uh, the fact that he gets their shooters open a lot with some of the screens that he sets, he just does a lot of little things uh, like Steven Adams that – kind of don't go noticed in the box score, but you look up and you see that the team has won the game. So uh, if they play against Denver, I think that that that's the ultimate best matchup for them in the first round. Um, 
But even with that, I still don't think that they have enough firepower on offense because Conley and Donovan Mitchell both need the ball to be effective. I'm, I haven't seen Conley show that he's great off the ball, and you want the ball in your best player's hands, and that's Donovan Mitchell. So um, it, it doesn't look really good for, for Utah right now. Not at all. Um, I do agree with you, though. I think Denver is a better matchup for them. I just think when it comes to playoff basketball and you just need to be able to rely on somebody to get you a bucket, yes, it's going to be harder for Jokic to do so against, you know, Gobert and, and having to take that matchup on. But I just I trust Denver a little bit more uh, to be able to score the points necessary to win a series. Now, if I'm being, if I'm being honest about my thoughts on both of them and their ability to contend, I guess we'll touch a little bit on Denver a, a little bit later. But I don't necessarily know that from a seeding standpoint, either of them really, you know, have a good road ahead um, because there are some matchups that Denver really they they can't. They can't see in the first round, and if they do see him, it's only going to make that second-round matchup tougher because if we're looking ahead, that 2-3 matchup with them and the Clippers is not one that's favorable for them. Yep, I agree with that 100%, bro. Like, if you put Denver as the 3C in the East, I have totally different feelings about them as far as how far they can go. But because they're in that West and you have those two monsters in L.A., I mean, it's it's going to be tough for pretty much any other team outside of them if we're looking at that Western Conference. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, this is the Price Check Podcast. Of course, I got my boy Jewel Meeks on with me today. Um, getting into OKC now. OKC is probably the team that I've done the most like back and forth on. And the reason is I love – that they just decided, okay, we're not tanking. We're not going to, you know, try to find a trade for Chris Paul. We're trying to ride this out and actually be good. The combo of Chris Paul, SGA, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, I think has been great for their backcourt. That small lineup that they run of those two guards that I just mentioned, Dennis Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari, Stephen Adams, you can check whatever numbers that by far their best lineup and one of the best lineups in the league. My question about them is can that lineup sustain a heavy amount of minutes when it comes playoff time? Because again, when we look at matchups and that's what a lot of these Western conference teams with questions, a lot of the questions that we have is about who they're going to see in what playoff series. And what does that mean for the, you know, the way that they have to construct their team in that series? Yeah. So, uh, okay, she's actually the same, the same that I feel because when you look at their team on paper, you don't expect them to be where they are in the standings. Um, I mean, I, I honestly thought that that was going to be a lottery team, right. but when you look at the impact that Chris Paul has and how he, it, it, so to me, it looks like he's turned SGA into a different player. And by a different player, I mean he's taking him from he's going to be very good to he's going to be an all-star and possibly one of the elite two guards in the game. And you can see it in how he moves now. You can see it in his confidence and where he pulls up 
on his jumpers. You can see how he controls the game. Uh, that it's a lot of Chris Paul's influence right. on that, on, on him as well as how smart Dennis Schroeder looks whenever he's on the court. He looks like he's under a lot more control. So uh, you can't underestimate, you know, saying what it is that Chris Paul brings to that team. And I think that the Thunder saw that, and that's why they did keep him. But to go to your question, um, I don't know if they can play, you know what I'm saying, 38 minutes with that lineup. What I do know is that OKC has the most clutch wins on the season. So if the game is within five, I think it's five points or less with five minutes or less to go in a game. They have the most wins in the NBA, and their plus minus is almost double other team in that time frame. So as long as the game is close and that lineup's on the floor, you, you kind of have to say that, okay, she's going to be around. Now, around means they're going to make it to the second round, and then they'll lose to the Lakers. True. But, true. This is very true. <laughs> Um, but you're talking about a team that could push the Lakers, I think, to games because Steven Adams is big enough to bang with anybody. And then that three-guard that three guard lineup takes away from what L.A. does best. Right. Yeah, you can't, you can't go as big as the Lakers do most games playing against the three guards and Gallo because they're just they're literally everybody's spreading the floor. Adams is the only person that has to, you know, kind of roam around the paint. Now I guess my my flip side to that argument, which I mean neither of us think they would beat LA, but in a series against the Lakers, who are you like if you're OKC, who are you having guard LeBron for the bulk of the game? Is it Gallinari? I, I mean I don't don't get me wrong, Gallinari is a, a nice body to have to be able to to bang around with LeBron, but by no means is he a defensive stopper. <laughs> nah, so I think – I mean, that, that's tough, man. Um, if I'm Billy Donovan, I'm probably rotating between a whole lot of the young guys. So. Okay. Uh, I know that they, you know what I'm saying, they signed Lou Dort. Yep. He's the starting two guard right now for them, uh, or starting three. And he has the physical size. He's not tall enough, but the girt to put a body on LeBron a little bit. Uh, Hamadou Diallo, uh, Darius Bazet, they have a whole bunch of young, long, athletic guys that can – I'm not even gonna say that they'll make it tough for LeBron, but they'll they'll be able to rotate enough fresh bodies that if LeBron's playing 40 minutes because it's a close game, whoever it is will be able to, to consistently have fresh legs that's on him. It won't make a difference, so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so OKC, you know, we definitely give them a round, especially like the Jazz matchup. I just like for them, um, but you know. If they had to see the Rockets, I, I don't think that's a series that they win. I think it's a very tough, hard-fought, close series, but I think the Rockets will have the edge there. Um, and if they happen to be I'm, I'm not uh, – I don't know if I can agree with you on that. Oh, oh, we we have a point of an impasse then. Well, you know what, we got yeah. We got a nice segue now into the Rockets. Um, yeah. Another team that I've been crazy torn on because I don't know if we are getting the team that – 
they were when they first traded Capella and went on a crazy streak and just made this small ball thing look real good and look like they were going to, you know, set the league on fire for a second? Or are we getting mm-hmm. a team that was basically having like a Kanye West type breakdown and losing <laughs> against teams like the Hornets and Knicks before the shutdown? Uh, so Houston is, is an interesting team for me because and, and, and it really has nothing to do with them switching up the style and going to all six, six, a hundred guys or switching everything on defense. It has everything to do with the fact that James Harden was just resting for four months. And you're talking about a guy who can score. It don't matter if he's on a blacktop, double rims. Um, <laughs> if, if, if you hung up a basket in a tree, he, he's going to get a bucket. So when you put somebody like that in a situation where now they have fresh legs again right. and – and we know what James Harden does every year in a regular season. Regular season is light to him because he's rested, he's healthy, and he just did that for four months. I, it's it's going to be really tricky, though, because that's the one thing that I can say. They'll just outscore you. Yeah. When you and you have to believe it. Yeah, when you got James Harden and Russell Westbrook, like, those two could very well get you anywhere between, what, 55 and 70 points together on a given night? So No, no, not not on a given night. You can count on that every put, night in the playoffs. Put it in the bank. It's, 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 it's going to happen. It's going to happen, bro. You, you're going to get at minimum 50 points from Russ and James every single night because – at minimum, Russ gonna give you twenty, and at minimum, James is gonna give you thirty. He's been giving true. you thirty for the last three years. This is true. So, so. I know if I had to, I know we had this conversation too. If I had to pick a dark horse team in the West, that would probably be it. Now, it has to be. Do I feel great about them? Probably not. But the same questions that I have about them could be flipped onto the teams that they would have to face. So, like, the matchup that they would have as it stands right now would be the Denver Nuggets. Do they have mm-hmm. a big enough body to be able to consistently play with Jokic? Not necessarily, but Jokic also lost a gang of weight dealing with, you know, COVID and the shutdown. P.J. Tucker can probably bang with him at this point. Um, I mean, he can bang with him. He's not seven <laughs> feet, but he can bang. P.J. will bang with him. So, is that enough in the course of a seven-game series to slow down a team like Denver? It just might be, considering that they don't they don't really have outside of Jamal Murray and depending on – and I don't even know if Michael Porter Jr., he's not even practicing right now. Um, right. They don't have that perimeter go-to guy like Houston has with two former MVPs on their team. So, we also talked about the potential matchup with the Thunder. I like Houston in that matchup. Um, I I just don't think that the Thunder would have 
the ability defensively to slow down Houston enough. And I think the Rockets would beat the Jazz. I just don't want to see that series. I've seen it. Yeah, I, I would seen prefer that movie not to see that again this year. Yeah, we, we've seen that movie before. It's going to look, you know, Donovan Mitchell's going to dunk on somebody and yell, maybe get a game or two. And then the Rockets are just going to win the series like they do every year that they run into the Jazz. It's just, you know, death taxes and the Rockets beating the Jazz in the playoffs is kind of the the guarantees in life at this point. So, um, last team, and of course for those of y'all just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast. I got my boy Jewel Meeks on today, special guest. Last team in this tier of teams with questions a team that I picked at the beginning of the season on this podcast to represent the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, sir. We saw them play a scrimmage earlier today. And I got to say, when their starters were on the court, they looked like the team that I picked to make it to the Finals. Now, when it came off, a little bit different story, but at the same time, this is a scrimmage, not – one of the seeding games, one of the playoff games. So, All right. my question to you about Philly is, what Philly team are we going to get? So, it, uh, is it okay for me to, be, to, to fanboy right now uh, <laughs> on the pod? I, I know that we're supposed to have some certain unbiased uh, no, opinions no, look, when fan we're out. giving out fan these out. analysis. But, fan, look, let it all look, uh, fan out, bro. Look, we can do whatever we want to. Nah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that I agree with you though. Uh, I think that we're gonna see the team that that you have projected to come out of the East. Uh, I think that that's who they are deep down inside. At the beginning of this season, I felt like they were trying to fit Al Horford into what they were trying to do instead of looking at what would be the best way that we can play the game. And that should have been Al coming off the bench to give, you know what I'm saying, Joel. Because Joel comes out in the first five to six minutes every game anyway. Right. So if you're coming back in with Al Horford, that's, you know what I'm saying, a starter, starting level center replacing Joel, which is where they have the biggest drop-offs every year. Uh, whenever he's off the court, that's when Philly turns into the process. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, uh, with Al coming off the bench now and moving Ben over to the four and my boy shooting threes now, um, man, like the Bucks really have something to worry about now. I think that this is not even a team with a question other than which team is going to show up. But if the team that we both know should show up does, there is no question about who's coming out of the East, if you ask me. So – I think for me, it's not so much about me questioning the talent. They definitely have the talent. We've seen them play well enough in spots to where we see the flashes. Like, okay, once the playoffs hit, this can get rolling again. I think the biggest question for me is, is Brett Brown the man for the job when it get into to nut check time? Like, we, we've seen him make some questionable adjustments at times. We've seen him maybe not go with the right, you know, people or personnel in and out of the games and in the times that he needs to. So 
I just don't know if that is going to be what does them in. Because, again, based on what I saw today, talent-wise, they can play with anybody. Especially if you think about them potentially having to see a Boston or Miami in the first round. They they match up well with everybody that's ahead of them in the East. Uh, and, I mean, not, not yeah, saying that they I, don't I, match up well with the teams honest. below them, uh, but that don't really matter at this point. But all of the teams that they would have to go through, they match up well with, including Milwaukee. Yeah, and – Boston doesn't want to see them in the first round. No. I can guarantee you that. No, because that Boston and Cancer I'm are not going to repeat it. Boston <laughs> does not want to see them. No, I don't. I don't think Boston wants to see them because they don't have. They don't without having Al Horford on their team anymore. They don't have the bodies that are going to be needed to bang with Joel Embiid possession after possession. Yeah, Joe averaging 40 and 15 in that series, bro. Just off the strength that it's in his cancer on the other side. I forgot. Uh, he and <laughs> he then. Does have a thing with <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, Ben uh, Simmons is arguably the second best player on the floor still in that series. Mm. Be- because who who are you saying that Jason Tatum's the best player on? Oh oh oh! Celtics? You know what? No no no! I, I I was I thought we were getting into the them versus Milwaukee discussion. No, if if they're talking, no. if we're talking about Philly versus Boston, yes, they Philly has the two best players on the court. While Tatum went up right. a level, I I still prefer Simmons as an overall player to Jason. Hundred percent agree. So. So Philly, in that situation, they had the best player on the floor. Two, the, the two best players on the floor. In Miami, I'm, I'm almost pushing to say it's the same thing. Jimmy's a little bit closer, but I'm still picking Ben over Jimmy, our, our overall player. Now, team-wise, that's a whole different dynamic, and that was that will probably be – if that could happen, Philly against Miami, I don't care if it's the first or the second round. I want to see that matchup oh, for yes. the playoffs because I think that's a, I think that's a seven game series. Yeah, like I would, and of course, looking at the standings, you got Philly and Indy technically, you know, record wise tied at thirty nine and twenty six. Um, Indiana holds the tiebreaker right now, but we talked about the injuries that they have and some of the questions we have about them. I fully expect Philly to be five and play Miami, who's sitting in the fourth seed right now. Um, now, I, I guess Miami probably won't move up. They're two and a half behind Boston. I don't see Boston dropping enough games to lose that ground to Miami. Um, now, Miami is. I don't a, know, bro. Miami's a sleeper team for me in the sense that – and we'll get to them a little bit in the next tier because I, I personally thought, for at least from what we saw before the shutdown, Miami showed me that they could, they could go toe-to-toe with just about everybody in the East, Philly included. Now, where that becomes an issue is Bam is really the only body that they have that could – in some ways, go toe-to-toe with Embiid. And even then, that's a pretty rough matchup for him. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I they just don't have the size to me uh, effective size I guess I would say in terms of guys that you really want to have on the court in, in games that matter versus a team like Philly where if they wanted to just go super big they could throw Horford Simmons and Embiid out at the same time not their best lineup and so Tobias and Tobias so it's a lot of size out there for Philly that Miami just don't have the answer for. Now, Miami, they of course they got Duncan Robinson, Tyler Heroes healthy. They got wings. They you know traded for Iguodala, got Jay Crowder. They got wings that they can throw out there. But I think that series is going to be so back and forth, and would be so good to see if we act, if and when we actually get it. Oh yeah, that, that's that's probably. That's probably the 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 biggest matchup that I'm looking for out of the East, out of any of them, because yeah, and I think it's really going to be Philly and Milwaukee after that. If if I was to you know what I'm saying put them in order of which right. ones that I want to see, but I mean that's just a seven game physical. Jimmy Butler hate Philadelphia because of what they you know what I'm saying they let him go. They picked the bias over him. Right. And then, you know what I'm saying, Josh Richardson upset because he had to leave Miami in the mix of it. You know, right. so it, it's just a lot of little little nuances that make this series really interesting out of the East. But uh, I'm I'm kind of putting Boston as a team with questions if Kimba's going to be hurt. Well, and so initially when I, when I sent you these tiers, I had – Boston as a team that I thought could potentially be a real contender in the East. I dropped them, and we can kind of segue now into this second tier of teams that aren't quite serious contenders to me, but are definitely teams that I feel okay about. Um, The three teams that I have listed here are Boston, Denver, and Miami. We talked a little bit about Miami. I think Bam is like just a, a Swiss Army knife. And he can do just about everything that you need him to do on a basketball court. Um, like I said, love Duncan Robinson. Love what they get out of Kendrick Nunn. Of course, I love the energy that Jimmy, you know, gives that team and the type of fight he kind of plays with and, and gives that team. Do I think they could win the East? Probably not. Um, especially considering the matchups that they probably have. So if Miami stays at four and they have to see Philly, even if they get past Philly, that's nothing short of a six-game series at the minimum. It's got to go six or seven games. I don't see how you play six or seven games against Philly, then go out and beat Miami. I mean, beat Milwaukee. I'm sorry. Um, I don't see that happening. I like Miami. I think they're probably a piece, maybe two away, depending on what the pieces are. Uh, but I like what I've seen out of them so far this year. Yeah, I uh, I guess I partially agree. The only thing about Miami is that that culture is so different, and they so many of their players are what you consider workaholics in the NBA game, where and gym rats. Where all the only thing that they want to do is hoop, get better, right. and be around. You know what I'm saying? Their teammates. So Miami is one of those teams that I think again, with only being eight games before you need to hit your playoff stride, they're a team that could gel very quickly and that could lead to a real nice run for them. Now, 
that means to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, like you said, they play against Milwaukee. I think that they match up really well. It's just what is Bam going to have to go through if he's the one that's guarding Joel? Because he's going to have to turn right back around and then guard Giannis. Right, right. And that's that's the key. Um, because of like Because of what Bam gives you on defense, he's going to be guarding the best player in, in each of those two series, what, you know, Joel for the Sixers, Giannis for the Bucks. That's a lot to ask of him in, in those two series, especially seeing as how they would be back-to-back. It's not like he would get Philly in round one and then either Toronto or Boston in round two before seeing Milwaukee. They would go straight from that Philly matchup to the Bucks, and that's that's just bad, <laughs> bad for anybody who would have to see those two back-to-back. I will say one thing, though. If, there, if there's anybody that I would want to see try and get an effort for, it would be bad. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that he – I mean, I liked him coming out of Kentucky, and I think I was hoping for him that he didn't go to a bad situation and kind of be forced to play a role that he wasn't meant to play. Um, and, you know, falling into into the lap of the Miami Heat probably was the best thing for his career because he gets to – literally do all of the things that he's good at and not be asked to carry a load that he's not ready to carry. I would say, yeah, because that man, I, I don't think there's a ceiling on him. He's going to be, uh, I think, similar to a guy that we're going to talk about in the serious contenders in the East uh, that, that blossomed, you know what I'm saying? It took their time. They got developed correctly, and now they turned into, you know what I'm saying, one of the emerging stars. So. Right. Um, it's Bam is gonna be one of the elite bigs in the league just because of how it's going and his versatility. To me, he's gonna be a a more offensive-minded Draymond Green type, and that's that's crazy. I mean, you he he's already a famous. I think Draymond's already a Hall of Famer. So you gonna have offensive game to that? It's that's scary. That's kind of nuts. That's nuts. So, moving from Miami to Boston, who we kind of talked about in relation to Philadelphia and that potential matchup. Um, Of course, we got them in the second tier. You feel like they should be a team with questions. Biggest question for them right now is what is Kimball Walker's health status? Um, He was dealing with a knee injury before the shutdown. From all of the reports and stories that I'm reading, he's not really any – closer to being ready to play now than he was at the time that the league shut down and for the league to be shut down four months and him not improve, that's a real bad sign for them and their playoff chances. Yeah, man. I'm uh I'm starting to try to figure out like what's going on in Boston with their point guards because <laughs> you're looking at Isaiah Thomas, he got hurt. Kyrie, he got hurt. Now Kemba's hurt. It's like we talk about Madden curse and other, you know what I'm saying, uh, curses in, in different sports. And what's up with Boston and point guard, <laughs> bro? Like, is this normal or am I looking too far into it? Uh, what's going on? You know what? The Boston point guard curse might be a real thing. You you might have to you might have to hit the internet with that one. The Boston point guard curse is real because by the time Rondo got out of there, he was dealing with injuries and just uh, a quote-unquote bad teammate. Isaiah Thomas got ran into the ground with his hip. 
Kyrie has always been somewhat injury prone, but it definitely got worse in Boston than it was in his years in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. And Kimball was a pretty consistently healthy dude up until up until now. So that you might be on to something, bro. Now the only thing I would say is Kimball did play. No, nah, so wait, the Team USA were they doing like uh, qualifying games last summer? They were doing the World champ. Oh, yes. Was it the World Championships or the qualifying games? Either way, they were in um, – gosh. They, yeah, were, they, just in, they was in China, right? Yeah, uh, they were in China. Where everything went down. Yeah. So – Okay, had, yeah. So, and Kimball was there. So maybe that has a little bit to do with it. He didn't get to get off his feet the way he normally would in the summer. True. But, I mean – that's that's a big question for me, man. Because if Kemba's not there, you're looking at Jason Tatum as really the only consistent one-on-one creator. Jalen Brown will give it to you, but he hasn't shown it to us on a night-in, night-out basis the way that Jason Tatum has. True. So, uh, yeah, Kemba Kemba's big for them, but they do have Marcus Smart, the dog. He's gonna sit down on anybody on defense, so that kind of helps. Um, and he's been shooting a three this year for sure. So I just don't know if I see them as a contender in the East, man. And the the one thing that I didn't take into account in considering them as a potential contender was they also don't really have kind of what we were alluding to in a matchup with Philly. They don't really have the size or, I guess, consistency down low to, you know, kind of hang around with the Phillies or, hell, even Miami with Bam or Giannis, Brook Lopez, and those guys in Milwaukee. You know, Tice, as good of a a defender as he is, he's still a little bit undersized. We know Ennis Cantor, we've seen his movies before. He can't guard a graveyard. Um, Robert Williams, he's still young. Grant Williams is a little undersized. So, like, you you don't really have – that perfect five man to go with some of the lineups that you can throw out there with, you know, the three wings of Tatum, Hayward, and Brown, or, you know, if you're going with both guards and, you know, a combination of those wings with Kemba and Marcus Smart. Um, yep. you, you know, you don't really have that that lockdown defense or that rim protection in the post. I'm also a little, little skeptical of their bench overall. Um, so – you know, Who Boston? Yeah. Outside of outside of Marcus Smart when he's coming off the bench, uh, it's a little little light to me. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, what is it? It's semi semi Ojeley. It's Ojeley. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, Grant Williams. <laughs> it's uh, Brad Wanamaker. Yeah, like, you know, it's looking a little light to me. Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, like that, that's what I'm saying. Like, especially if Kimba's missing time, it's it might be a first round loss for them. If Kimba is missing that Philly series, and that was already a bad matchup with him, if he's missing that series, go ahead and count Boston out. As much as I hate to say it, you know, Jason Tatum repping St. Louis, repping the home team, but uh, I can't pick them in any series right now. I'm picking them over Indy. Well, yeah, I would pick them over Indy. But 
outside. So of if that. they if, if for whatever reason they can stay at three and Indy fall to six, they're gonna make it to the second round, and then you'll be looking at Toronto, Toronto. who will will also get to a little bit later because we we got some disagreements there. Uh, but again, this is the Price Check Podcast. You're listening to host Josh Price. I got Jewel Meeks on the line with me. Um, last team in the second tier, like I said, we kind of hit on them already, though. Denver, um, really good team, really, you know, sound team, but they play in the West. They got to contend with the two LA teams, and they they are not going to have the best player on the court against either of those teams. They wouldn't have the best player on the court against the Rockets. I guess they got the best player on the court with the Thunder, maybe if you consider Jokic better than Chris Paul at this point. And I guess with the Jazz, they might have the best player on the court. But even then, that's a bad matchup for them. So it's just literally the the terrible luck of the draw for them being the third best team with two juggernauts in your conference. Yep, I agree with that. And, and honestly, I'm a little disappointed because, and I'm and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but everybody wants to see what Michael Porter would do for that team. Yes. Because only the only thing that they're missing really is a a wing go to score. Right. If they can have somebody that here get the ball, let's ISO this side. We need a basket. And, and I mean that was the whole reason that he was drafted. So for him to not be practicing, I, I from I don't even know if he's there. Do you know if he's in the bubble? So I believe from what I read earlier, he is there in the bubble, but he is not practicing with the team. So he's, he's not he's not even practicing. Yeah, like he's, not, not, he's not. Practicing. I understand nothing. No scrimmage game, but he's not even practicing. Yeah. So Man. it's 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 looking real rapish for them too. So, yeah, uh, man. On to it, it, it would have been nice to see that. Yeah, it w- it definitely would have been. I, I'm really hoping that he can get healthy for them because I think, like you said, it would be real fun to see them with a go-to score where you can use Jokic's playmaking and let him play off of somebody that can be the primary scorer and let him get his points as, as kind of a second option almost. Um, because if, if Jokic happens to be either your second best player or your second go-to scoring option, you you in pretty good shape at that point. Um, but him having to carry the load that he carries right now, I think that's just too much for them. I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that the coach, the coaching staff, is the one that told him that he needs to uh, lose that weight because we're about to give you the ball on every play. Yeah. I think he's that good. I, I think that he should have a say in every single possession that they have. And if they do, Denver will be a lot more successful. But uh, uh, Will Barton, Jamal Murray, those guys, they, they get trigger happy. So right. I just don't see I don't, I don't see how it works for them. But if they can figure that out, man, uh, Denver can surprise some people because Joker is just different. He is. Now, I guess before we get into the series contenders, and I kind of last question on Denver, if they see the Clippers in round two, could Jokic just going ballistic for a series be enough for them to get over the hump? Or is that even possible for him to go ballistic on a team like the Clippers? Uh, 
is yes to both of those questions. And the reason why is because, so, so to me, Jokic is in that Dirk mode. Okay. If he if he could, if he could go, you know, what I'm saying Dirk from what was that? Oh, oh nine. Or 2010, one of them? Oh, two, uh, uh, 2011, when they won against Oh, Miami. 2008. Oh, are you talking about the MVP yeah. year? I'm talking about when, when he beat the uh, Heat. Oh, yeah, 2011. When Dirk. Yeah, okay, 2011. Uh, so if, if he can get in that mode and – and really just go ahead every possession, I'm going to dictate what happens on this offensive end, nobody on the Clippers can guard him. Trez is too small. Zubac doesn't have a clue. <laughs> uh, and so then you so you, you say you're going to put who Kawhi or Paul George yes. to guard him in the high post or the low post which means you're going to have to send a double, and he's the best passer in the, in the NBA uh, at his size. So it's, he he can go there, and, and he has enough of a supporting cast where if he's kicking it out and Jamal Murray is open, Gary Harris is open, Will Barton is open, and they're knocking down shots, it changes everything. It's true. This is true. I, I think for me – I question even if he's going crazy, like, and by crazy I'm talking about, like, 30, 35 points, somewhere between 12 and 15 rebounds a night. Even if he's doing that, you still have to get so much out of your Will Barton's, Jamal Murray's, you know, Gary Harris. And going up against Kawhi, Paul George, I just don't see that being realistic to expect much out of those guys. But I could be, I could be looking at it wrong. I'm telling you right now, if Jokic averaging over 30 on the Clippers in a second round series, that's not good for the Clippers, bro. Because he's still gonna average eight to ten assists. Like that's that's gonna happen because they're gonna have to send doubles if you average a 30. You tell them you just gonna let them eat on the block, which is possible. You can go ahead, you get yours, and nobody else scores. They can go that route, and then I mean he's gonna have to score, you know, forty five, fifty points a game, which I don't think he's capable of. <laughs> right. But yes, if you telling me that he that he's getting thirty, and they're sending double teams, I'm telling you that Denver Nuggets have at least two wins in that series, and probably three. That's that's the one. I think that's the one matchup in the West that's real interesting to me because of that wild card aspect of. What could Jokic do against them? What does the supporting cast do with you know having to go up against Kawhi, Paul George, those guys? So that one, that one would definitely be an interesting series. So done with the second tier. Last of the tiers, the serious contenders. Um, there's four teams in this group. Three teams that we don't have to there's spend. There's three all- teams. <laughs> so, there's three teams that we don't have to spend much time talking about. The Milwaukee Bucks. Head and shoulders, the best team in the Eastern Conference. At the time that play stopped, they had a record of fifty-three and twelve. Um, we were legitimately asking at, at different points of the beginning of the season, could they realistically win seventy games? And I mean, I, they probably wouldn't have, considering they were at twelve losses already to get eighty-two games. But they were pretty damn close. Um, they got you know 
the reigning MVP, a guy who could very well end up winning MVP again in Giannis. Um, you know, Coach Bud has them playing out of their minds. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time with Milwaukee. Two L.A. teams. LeBron and AD for the Lakers, you know what it is. 49-14, and 14, best record in the West. Five and a half games up on the Clippers. We saw them the last weekend before play got shut down, beat both Milwaukee on Friday night and the Clippers that following Sunday. Um, you know, LeBron making his MVP case loud and clear with those two games. Um, you know, the Lakers obviously ha- have been able to kind of impose their will and play in a little bit more of a physical and big style where teams like to go small. Um, again, not a whole lot of time we got to spend on them. Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, the, you know, the Claw, PG, they haven't had their you know entire team all year, but when they have had all their guys, they look like the team that we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Getting into this last team that I want to include, Toronto Raptors. I put Toronto as a serious contender because, one, they're 46-18 record, third best record in the entire league. They lost Kawhi Leonard yet didn't miss a beat. Pascal Siakam took yet another leap and step up. Fred Van Fleet, you know, taking on that load and kind of stepping up as well. They've had guys in and out of that lineup, and it has not seemed to matter. Now, the argument against that is, of course, it was the regular season. You're not getting one team for, you know, a seven-game series. I get all that. But I think – how they play defense, how they play as a team, and also with the bubble and kind of something that we mentioned earlier with teams that have chemistry and play well together, this is the epitome of that to me. Now, do I think they would definitely beat Milwaukee? Eh, There's some questions about that because you don't have a Kawhi to throw at Giannis this time around, but I think they have – a really good shot in that series. But I, I turn it over to you because I know you feel otherwise. Yeah. So, uh, first off, I, I will say I got a lot of respect for Toronto because they deal with a whole lot of injuries to their starting five. And because their team is so deep and they got the best GM in the NBA, they were able to weather that. Um, but with that being said, they went seven games with Philly last year with Kawhi. And he had to hit one of the most memorable shots in recent history in order to send them to the next round. True. So, it's well, like you said, it's not the regular season. Things change within the flow of the playoffs, and you need a guy that you can consistently say, I'm going to get him the ball. He's going to give me 30 tonight. I can count on this 30 tonight, and we'll figure out the rest from there. They don't have that. Pascal is great. He's emerging, but you cannot tell me that you can count on Pascal to give you 30 every single night against Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. You can't tell me he's getting 30 a night against Giannis. You can't tell me he's getting 30 a night against Bam and Jimmy Butler. 
And to be honest, I don't think he's going to get 30 a night against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So how – they're a great team. Nick Nurse, as we'll get into later, is probably a top three coach in the league already. And he's going to make adjustments. He's going to go boxing one if he needs to, triangle and two, whatever he needs to do in order to get a win. I get all of that. But I just don't think that they have enough when you look at the totality of the East. And then, yeah, you you can't even look at the West because I don't think that they can beat three teams out of the East off top, even though they're the number two seed. So, matchups will play a lot into what happens with Toronto. Yep. They're, they're either getting Orlando or Brooklyn, which is probably going to be Orlando. Um, they're going to get Orlando in the first round. Probably going to be a gentleman's sweep like it was last year. Now, when they get to round two – Again, if things kind of stay similar to what they are now, you're looking at either the winner of Boston-Philly or just Boston because we don't expect Indy to beat them. Right. I think them and Boston is a series that is a little bit more of a toss-up than what people would probably give it credit for. Most people would think the Celtics would win that series. But you also have to factor in that Toronto, they have Mark Gasol, they have Serge Ibaka. If they want to continue to throw minutes at Chris Boucher, they can do that. I trust all three of those guys at the five, maybe a lesser extent Boucher. Trust those three guys a little bit more in that low post, protecting the rim, doing those types of things, and I do for Tice to do it on the other side. Now, Granted, Boston has a lot more guys that can go get a bucket, but you also have Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, where, yes, Marcus Smart is going to guard one of them, but if you don't have Kimball Walker, it's not like he was a lockdown defender anyway. That other guard is going to be able to get their looks. So, I I don't know. It's a team that I feel like we can't count out and can't discredit because of the depth and the quality of depth that they have. Um, but looking at what Siakam did in the playoffs, at least the start of the playoffs last year, I am a little concerned there um, in him being your go-to guy. But I think they have enough to be able to get to the conference finals regardless of how some of that plays out. See, it's interesting that you say that because I actually think Boston matches up better with them without Kemba hmm. because so, they're big. They're going to be – they're bigger guards versus Vlad Fleet and, and uh, Kyle Lowry. So, you got that, – that's Jason Brown. I mean, Jason – it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordy Hayward mixing up, you know what I'm saying, at that off-guard position, and they're switching anyway. Those that's those, those are big guys who can get down into a stance to play defense against the best of them. So I, I think that they match up a little bit better without Kimba. But the thing is, is that man, 
that makes it a little bit easier for Toronto to play defense on the other end. So right, because it's, it, it is a toss up match. It is a toss up match, but they do not want Philly to stay in that. Oh, um, no. I don't think. No, like I think where it becomes a problem for them is okay. So if they the two Philly beats Boston in round one, you have to see Philly again in the second round. They have the size, but that takes away much more from their offense than it does for Philly's offense. And I don't right. know I don't know over the course of that seven game series how you make up for not having that Kawhi option to lean on on offense, especially if Siakam isn't giving you the same type of numbers he gave you in the regular season. So a, a lot of me picking them as a contender is kind of banking that Siakam doesn't look like the Siakam we saw last year. But you, so you telling me that you banking on on Siakam to give you thirty a night in the playoffs? Uh, I'm twenty five. <laughs> maybe maybe twenty five. I don't I don't know thirty, but if you look at how he gets his points. I don't know that he has to score 30 as long as the rest of the supporting cast is doing what they're supposed to. That's just my opinion, though. And, and what, you know, what I mean, I, I'm just more so, and it could be just because I'm thinking about last season, but it was, they had a 30-point score a night in Kawhi Leonard, and then you had Siakam giving you anywhere from 16 to 25 and the rest of the team, it was we trying to figure out, you know, saying where we getting our points from. Yeah. And their team is exactly the same minus Kawhi Leonard. Right. I don't see how they go seven games with Philly. I don't see how they go seven games. They they might be able to push Miami to seven if they're not hitting their threes, but. I mean, that's the number one three-point percentage shooting team in the, in the NBA. So, yeah. I don't know if you're banking on that either. This is true. This is true. So, it, going to your head right now, NBA Finals matchup, who your teams you picking? Uh, I'm going Lakers, Sixers. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go Lakers, Sixers. I want to – so, I had that same same prediction at the beginning of the season. I I think I got to go Milwaukee, L.A. Milwaukee and Lakers, I'm sorry. I, I think AD will be too much for the Clippers, and I think this just might be a different Giannis than what we saw last year. Mm. I think I think this is a different Giannis than what we saw last year, especially knowing that they literally had a 2-0 lead and saw the conference finals just literally like fall through their hands after that. I think this is a little I think this is a little bit different Giannis. Plus, I saw video of him the other day taking step back threes and not missing. That's scary to me. <laughs> but was there was there any defense out there? There was not. But to develop uh, to develop that confidence to be able to do that, 
he already he's already improved his three point shooting, which we'll kind of touch on in a little bit too. But he's improved yeah. three point shooting this year versus last year. Him having the confidence just to want to take the shots, I think that could that could be scary. I'm just saying, if if my boy trying to take step back threes in the bubble, Ben Simmons and Joel gonna let him shoot that. Does that mean he's not uh, dominating in the paint? This is also true. So. Everybody in the NBA gonna take that. Giannis, go ahead, take eight threes a game, my boy. You're shooting thirty percent, so <laughs> you might get carried away here. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta look at it that way. That's the that's the voice of Jewel Meeks. You're listening to the Price Check Podcast. So we've run through the bubble teams and, and kind of our outlook on those teams. So before we before we wrap up, we gotta get into our picks for the different season awards now. We're just running through MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year. Um, two of these, it will start with Coach of the Year. Two of these we pretty much are, are unanimous on. Coach of the Year, Nick Nurse in Toronto. Um, I know it, you mentioned not not thinking that uh, you know they were a serious contender, but regardless of if the their ability contend is serious or not, Nick Nurse has done a very serious coaching job there and to lose you know arguably you know a top three player in the league and to just be able to run it back and and keep you know keep that thing moving that's a hell of a coaching job for him and I I don't really know like there's obviously other guys that you know kind of come to mind like I think both Billy Donovan in OKC and Taylor Jenkins for the Memphis Grizzlies I think they've both done a hell of a job coaching this year uh, but Nick Nurse is definitely the answer for me. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Nurse, by far, is, has been the best coach this season because, like you said, they got the third best record in the league, which nobody would have guessed. Uh, I mean, even with them playing in the East, like, it's it's ridiculous what they've done. The pieces rotated in and out of the lineup. Uh, you've had numerous guys, as I said it before, out of the starting lineup that's been hurt for like 10 plus games. Right. And whoever comes in, they don't skip a beat. He, they've turned Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson into, you know, saying serviceable pieces off the bench, develop their guys. And it's just, I mean, the job that they've done as an organization as a whole, honestly, right. is outstanding. But uh, you can tell why. Their team is so good. Just, I mean, every game that you go into, you have to think that you got the best coach on the floor. Facts, facts. And he, he's definitely he's showing his worth, man. So, coach of the year, we going with Nick Nurse. Rookie of the year next. Um, I, Young Ja. Yeah, look, Ja Morant, man. God, like, man. I, I don't know what what else you have to say. I mean, it's it's been pretty clear all season long. Um, I know again they wanted to throw Zion in the conversation, but I can't I can't justify giving you can't put it like this. If you could not give Joel Embiid rookie of the year the year he played, I think it was like thirty five, thirty six games, you definitely mm-hmm. can't give Zion rookie of the year playing nineteen. As great as he looked in those 19 games, Ja had his team in the playoffs, 
and he had Memphis, you know, as a playoff team when we thought they probably were going to be a lottery team again. So I, I got to go with Ja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ja is, uh, I mean, he's already like one of the players you have to watch. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't blink if he's on the court. First, because he's so fast. But if you get to that launching pad, it's you are you're in awe of what could actually happen. I think he has probably the most highlights that are missed dunks <laughs> that I've seen out of any Man. player in one season. Dude, because I mean the the dunk that he almost made on Kevin Love. Oh my goodness! All like, even Kevin Love said that that was that could have ended his career. So, <laughs> bro, Kevin Love tried to help him up after after uh, the miss, bro. Yeah, like yeah. I can't believe you actually just did that, sir. And I actually was in the building the night he played in Phoenix and got the dunk off over Aaron Baines to basically call a game. So, oh my goodness, God, like that. There is an athleticism. Like he he reminds me of like prime. Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook in terms of just pure ability to jump out the gym as a point guard. Um, yeah, Bo, but he's a rookie, though. Yeah, that, so and that's the scary he, thing. He hasn't even put on the weight that he had, that he will. It's going to be scary once he's able to take those bounces and then hit that trampoline. Ooh. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see what he does in the bubble. I know, you know, if they do make the playoffs, they're not really getting out of round one, but still excited to see what he's capable of having that time off and being able to enhance his game a little bit more. So on to a little bit more tougher decisions here. We start with defensive player of the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm splitting hairs here, but I'm going with Anthony Davis, and here's why. 2.4, basically two and a half blocks a game, stealing a half a game, and the Lakers are night and day different in terms of how they, how good they are defensively with him versus where they were at last year without having Anthony Davis. Now, some people may attribute that to him also being able to play next to, you know, Dwight and JaVale and, and having that size. Um but I, I think when you watch the Lakers and the eye test of what he does and enhancing that defense, it, it's again, it's a night and day difference versus where they were without him. Um, I, I, I understand and I definitely, you know, hear the argument for who I'm sure you're about to pick, but my, my pick has to go to AD. So, I mean, the the points that you make for AD are extremely valid because the Lakers were after, – after Lonzo got hurt and LeBron got hurt, the Lakers were terrible on defense. Right. Even when LeBron came back, you know what I'm saying, the defense was atrocious and, and all of that. But I think that Dwight Howard has a little bit more to do with uh, the total team defense and the credit that that we're getting, he has. I should say he has just as much credit as Anthony Davis should in in what he does for our defense. Whereas Giannis, who I'm picking for Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, 
You know I'm a stats guy. So he, he's leading the NBA, the total NBA in defensive rating. And the Bucks play the highest pace in the entire league. So there's more possessions in the game, and yet when Giannis is on the floor, they're the best defensive team by far. By far. In the league. And it has a lot to do with his length, you know what I'm saying, versatility, uh, his his paint protection. Uh, so I understand. I understand AD and what he's brought to the Lakers, but Giannis is is, is kind of like an easy de- decision, though. So, I guess we, we might as well just use that to segue right on into the last award because MVP, to me, is Giannis. Do I think he's the defensive player of the year? I, I definitely hear the argument, like you said, all valid points. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those two picks. But I do think Giannis is the MVP of the league. Um, won MVP last year, and – just about every statistical category is better this year than it was last year. Um, he's the best player on the best team in the league. And he is he's the one guy, like, he plays 31 minutes a night. So when you look at, you know, numbers like his per 36 numbers, they get to be real ridiculous because he's playing less minutes than that anyway. So, like, if you compare him yeah. – to a guy like James Harden, who plays like 38, 39 minutes a night, James's numbers get worse at a per 36 clip because he's already playing more minutes than that. I know the questions about whether he can get done in the playoffs, all that, cool. It's a regular season award. What we saw out of the totality of his regular season, I think, was better than everybody else in the league. And, again, he – he does not have a another superstar next to him. I, I don't really know that he has another star next to him. Like some people would consider Chris Middleton that. I don't. I think Chris Middleton is definitely way above average in terms of what you would consider a role guy or something like that. But I don't think he's a star. And for them to be 53 and 12, you got to get you got to give Giannis that credit. And I, I'm giving him the MVP. Okay, and so the numbers thing, I get it. It makes sense. But that's also because they play in the East. Now, I'm I'm going with LeBron as my MVP pick, and the reason why is because he has the Lakers at the number one spot in the Western Conference. And I understand he has, you know what I'm saying, another, to me, top three player in the in the NBA. I don't consider Kawhi a top three guy, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Ooh. Uh, yeah, we might have to table that one. We might have to table that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I understand he has another top three guy, and your pick for defensive player of the year playing alongside of him, but they're a number one team in the West, and it was a runaway, really. You know what I'm saying? They, they were up five and a half games when it, when it stopped, and they were going on a roll. As as yeah. the season came to a came to a halt, you know what I'm saying. So, I believe that you know what I'm saying. When you look at 
LeBron's numbers and the impact that he has on a nightly basis for the outcome of the Lakers to win, I think that is higher than Giannis on a night-to-night basis because of the conference that they play in. You can't tell me that uh, Bron's not going to average 32 points a game if he wanted to in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And I mean, to to his credit, too, he's also 35 years old leading the league in assists. Like that, especially when, like, you consider it outside of Anthony Davis, there's not really a, a trustworthy scorer that you would go to on the Lakers. Right. So I, I definitely I definitely agree with that point. I think, to me, LeBron probably has the hardest job night to night in the league in terms of the workload starts – goes and stops with him. Do uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I think it's a couple other guys that that have a little bit higher workload. Luca for one. Yeah. Uh, Dang is another one. I think that they have they have a little bit more on their shoulders. Just because realistically though like you can go five, six straight possessions if you brine and say, AD, get on the block, and I'm going to throw it down to you, and I'm going to go stand in the corner. You can do that, and you can get a bucket on three to four out of those possessions. Whereas the other guys might not be able to do that. So I'm not trying to take away from my MVP argument, but uh, it's a couple more guys that's – in the bubble right now, I think they have a little bit more on their plate. It's just Brian does it so much better, and he's so much more efficient at it. Right. That is, it, I mean, it, he just makes it look easy, bro. He makes he makes the game. He puts everybody in the position. He makes the Lakers, the load on his teammates looks less because of what he does. Yeah, I, I I'm really excited for the restart not only because of obviously my fandom for the Lakers that I've talked about on this podcast a number of times but I think this Le- this LeBron is probably the hungriest LeBron we've seen in a while and I think that's very scary not just for the rest of the conference but everybody that's in the bubble that he might have to play because when you have yeah. when you have a guy that good wanting to essentially like rip the heads off of everybody he plays, that could turn out to be something special, especially with how things are gonna go in the bubble. There is no home court advantage. There is no, you know, having to play to the crowd, that type of thing. Like just go hoop. I, I, you know, LeBron I mean, I think Overall, you probably you make the argument that he's definitely still the best player in the league. Whether you want to call him the MVP or not, yeah. you, you definitely gonna make that argument. So, yeah. when you when you look at every series that they play, they're going to have the best player, if not the two best players on the court. I, I think that's gonna be something special to see. So, um, last question before we get out of here: Do you think that this time off has hurt 
either of those two LA teams or the Bucks at all? So I'm gonna say if you look at uh, like who I think is hurt the most out of those three teams, it would be the Lakers. And the reason I say that is only because Giannis was dealing with a knee injury right. that probably would have nagged him throughout the rest of the season True. that he's no longer dealing with. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it was a serious game to the point where, like, they had sat him out for a week before the hiatus started. He only came back for, I think, a game, maybe two games, and then he had sat out another couple games. Right. So he was dealing with, you know what I'm saying, so, a real injury. And then, obviously, for the Clippers, you know, dealing 82 games with the low management and uh, Paul George, who was coming off the, the shoulder surgery, they both and he ready to go. So I think the only reason why it hurts the Lakers is just because both teams got healthy. But, I mean, that, that just makes it a little bit better for Brian because then there's no excuses. I don't want to hear uh, we were in the bubble. Everybody was in the bubble. Uh, yeah, I had the same amount of rest. Everybody was healthy, and I came out on top. So, other than that, I don't really think it hurt any of those teams because I feel like those teams still are the best in the NBA. They'll still be the best once we restart, and those are the teams to beat in in the respective conferences. And there it is. That's the voice of Jewel Meeks here on the Price Check Podcast. Definitely have fun with this, man. We're going to have to, you know, make sure we get you back on the show, especially if the Lakers go ahead and get this ring. You know, we're going to have to we gonna have to go ahead and get real, real outrageous uh, if that happens. So um, let everybody know where they can catch you on social media, bro. Y'all can catch me at uh, Captain Jack uh, underscore on Twitter. Uh, and that's that's the best way for y'all to reach me. I'm pretty active on there. Uh, so just come check in with me from time to time. There he is, man. Hey, Jewel, I appreciate you, bro. We definitely going to have you back. Again, thank you all for tuning in on the NBA Restart uh, you know, update here and, and preview. Um, we'll definitely be back at this thing regularly now that the NBA is going to be back in full swing here, you know, going from the seeding games back to the playoffs and on to the finals. So um, thank you to my man Arlington A-Train Lane for everything on the production side. This is the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price, checking out. <laughs>
all at Cafe Piazza, located at 1900 Arsenal. That is Cafe Piazza, 314-343-0294, 314-343-0294, and a thank you for your business. Palm Alexander for the End Zone Network. I want to tell you about newest black-owned sponsor, Sugar Pop Creation, located in the city of St. Louis. They're offering things like sweets, custom games, and parties. Sweets like chocolate-covered strawberries, pineapples, infused cakes, custom games like dominoes, checkers, chess, parties like Girls' Night Out, and Tim Party at Sugar Pop Creations. You can find her at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under Sugar Pop Creations, LLC. Sugar Pop Creations, I make everything pop. Here comes the 